And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio, with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. There is a soundbite out there that I just cannot wait to play for you. It is a soundbite from Pete Buttigieg and what was going on back during the summertime because now the Daily Mail has a big article out there that says that Pete Buttigieg and uh, people within his administration, his agency there, they knew, they knew that this was coming, the problems with uh, the airlines here over the holidays. And he actually appeared on uh, one of the late night talk shows. And he was saying that, yeah, you know what? We're getting tough with these airlines. And uh, that is a story that is uh, very important today, especially and this morning, especially as people are still, believe it or not, stranded across America. So we do have that for you as well. There is another story that I do want to get to. And I'm going to try to make you care about this. But it's going to be difficult because I myself, Dan Mandis, had trouble caring about the arrest of one Andrew Tate. Now, who is Andrew Tate and why should you care that he has been arrested? Well, Andrew Tate is a social media influencer and he is somebody who has millions and millions of followers on social media. And he is a guy who the left or a lot of people have branded as the ultimate in toxic masculinity. And now he's been arrested. And this is a very big story. But again, as as a talk show host, I try to look at a story for a number of different things. Just a little peek behind the curtain. Number one is, okay, so is this a big news story? Well, in the case of Andrew Tate, it is a very big news story. But number two, okay, it's a big news story, but will a... By and large, a conservative talk radio audience care. I mean, how many of you folks even know who Andrew Tate is? I'd be willing to bet that a fair amount of you do know who Andrew Tate is. He is incredibly anti-woke. This is a guy who, again, has been called the ultimate in toxic masculinity. He did get involved, by the way, in the whole debate over vaccinations. He is very anti mandatory 
in vaccinations. And so he got involved in that discussion. He actually describes himself as a misogynist. I mean, he wears it like it's a badge of honor. He has a podcast. He's got videos all over the place. Millions of people watch this guy. Now, for the life of me, I don't know why. By the way, he has been arrested. He and his brother are suspects in an alleged organized crime ring. And the accusation is that he sexually exploited at least six women who were recruited, housed and forced into performing pornographic videos for sale online. I guess he's a a professional. I think they call him kickboxers. So this guy is known to a lot of people. Now, I will tell you that before this, I had no idea who he was, this Andrew Tate. And so I've been sort of binging some of his videos just to give you a taste of who he is. Now, I don't really expect you to really give to, you know, what's about Andrew Tate, why he's been arrested and so forth. But I, I think it it really does bring bring us to a larger conversation about how it is that this guy is very famous and many people call him one of today's premier social media influencers. There's a large contingent of men out there who don't want to wear makeup, who don't want to be girls, who don't want to be told they're toxic because they want to go to the gym, who want to drive nice cars, who want to have money, who want to have hot chicks. And there's nothing wrong with us. We are not evil. We are not bad. We're not misogynistic. We're not out to hurt anybody. Let me tell you one more thing. When bad things happen, they call men like us. The feminists who hate us and call us toxic, the second they have trouble, they'll call a police officer. Do you think they want a feminist male to turn up or a man like me and you? They need us and they use us. But the second we have an opinion, the second I decide to voice and talk about the things that we talk about, explain our points of view, they want to cancel us. They don't want us to speak. They just want us to defend them, build the railroads, build the roads, be the workhorses, be the slaves. And they think we're not allowed a point of view. Well, they made a fucking mistake. So there you and that gets this guy millions of millions of dollars. And by the way, you you listen to that particular cut and, you know, when you peel it all back. All right. So what's the big deal? I mean, you can call it toxic masculinity. You can call it whatever you want. I will also say that he loved Donald Trump, not because of his politics, but because he is a guy who says what he means and means what he says, and he isn't afraid to say what he wants. And so that is why, as you can imagine, because I just played you that soundbite from Andrew Tate, this is a guy who appreciates those who are willing to just, who cares about the whole wokeness thing? They're going to go out and they're going to say what they want without fear of being canceled. So Tate has a lot of commonalities with many Americans, many conservatives, as a matter of fact. But I would also say that there's a lot of things, and I will tell you, I am very much of a conservative. I believe, as you know, as I've been filling in for Gary and Eric the last uh, week or so, and over the last couple of years, you've gotten to know that I am, indeed, very conservative. But Andrew Tate has previously boasted to his followers that 40% of the reason why he moved to Romania was because the police were less likely to pursue any sexual assault allegations against him. And remember, these are allegations. Now, when we talk about social influencer and we talk about what men today 
and teenage boys today and young adult men are being influenced by. It's people like Andrew Tate. And so for me, this isn't necessarily, again, a story that I would cover because I don't really care about him. I don't care about, you know, his attitude, his videos. I just don't run in this circle. But when you listen to the things that he has to say, and he has every right in the world to say it, then you look at the fact that he is one of the world's leading social media influencers. It really begs a larger question than Andrew Tate being arrested. My bigger question is, good God, who listens to this stuff and Is this something that really is influencing young men today? In one more infamous video, Tate talks about this OnlyFans. And if you don't know what OnlyFans is, basically it is a website where you can pay people. Mainly it's, I believe, women and men will go and pay women for videos, whatever it is. It's it's awfully sketchy. But anyway... He was talking about OnlyFans, and he was talking about whether or not he would allow his girlfriend to be on OnlyFans. I'm a capitalist, and I believe if there's a product that people will buy, then someone should sell it. Mm-hmm. I have no problems intrinsically with females doing OnlyFans. Like, if, if men are stupid enough to buy it, then women should certainly sell it and make a bunch of money. More power to them. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a feminist. I believe in empowering women. Make as much money as you can. Yeah, sure. Be, be, do OnlyFans. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even mind my girl doing OnlyFans as long as I kept all the money. I wouldn't give a shit. If I had a girl who said I want to do OnlyFans, I'm like, cool, go for it. Let me know how much money we make. You're keeping all of it, though? Yes. She's he, his basically, and, and he's going to say right here, basically, he feels like his girlfriend is his property. Cool, go for it. Let me know how much money we make. You're keeping all of it, though? Yes. She's mine. 100%. You're keeping all profits. I mean, I might let her buy us some shoes or something, but all in all, I mean, it goes into my bank, and I might gift her something, depending if she's been good that month, but... Wow. She's my she's my pr- property, so she's selling my property. Like if we're gonna rent out my house, then I get the money, right? Uh, you're my chick, you're my property. Uh-huh. You're gonna sell pictures of my property. Cool. Where's my money? How much money did we make? My money. Give me my money. Maybe she should get maybe fifty fifty. What? What? Why? What's wrong with you? And so there you go. That is uh, Andrew Tate. And again, at the risk of belaboring the point, dude makes millions of dollars off this. It's like a webcam type of show. Now, as far as these accusations go, Andrew and Tristan Tate are both dual citizens, brothers, in the U.S. and the U.K. They were born to an American father and a British mother. They grew up partially in both countries. Police said the two British suspects, what they're doing, what they were doing, was luring female victims using the, quote, lover boy method, falsely professing their love and intention to marry them. The victims were then transported to buildings uh, there in Romania on the outskirts of Bucharest, where they were sexually exploited and forced to perform in pornographic videos for dissemination on social media, according to the police. Cops say that Andrew Tate and these other suspects used physical violence and mental coercion to force the women to comply with their demands, including intimidation, constant surveillance, control and invoking alleged debts together with his brother Christian, according to the Daily Mail. He allegedly set up a webcam business in Romania in which young models told sob stories to unsuspecting male viewers. Now, despite previously saying that the site was a total scam, 
He says that he has made millions off of this website. Now, the reason why this is making such big news, I think there's a number of reasons why. I think, number one, because he is anti-mandatory vaccinations, and he is also, uh, I I guess what we would say is, again, anti-woke, and he describes himself as a misogynist. And so I think, and he's professed his appreciation for Donald Trump. So I believe that part of what's going to happen, and perhaps it is already, is you're going to have people try to say that this guy is some sort of a a right winger. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know what he is politically. I believe that he's horrifying. Part of his deal is that he likes to tell people, primarily young adult men, it seems to me, that they are losers. And by calling them losers, then he builds himself up as the guy that can turn them not into uh, losers. He can turn them from losers into winners if they're willing to pay $49 a month, I believe it is. This is part of Andrew Tate's Christmas message. I'm such a nice guy. I know you look at me and you think four-time kickboxing world champion, strong, smart, tall, could definitely steal my girl, has every worldly good a man could possibly desire, unlimited females to birth his sons. Surely he's arrogant. No, not me. I'm as humble as they come. So I decided to make a nice Christmas message for you all. The message for next year is to never give up. I think so many of you out there, you're existing in your peasant life. You wake up when the alarm goes off. (laughs) You go to your job. (laughs) Sorry. Mocking, <laughs> mocking people. My boss. <laughs> okay, you, <laughs> you go to your job. <sighs> Crazy. You get paid your wages. And you're like, how did Tate get all that money? That guy has a hundred million dollars. I mean, I, see, I agree. I agree. How does this dude peddling this kind of BS get a hundred million dollars? No, I do get he's a four-time kick, kickboxing champion. That's all fine, good, and well. But to me, the, the bigger part of this story, and by the way, he has also been banned by TikTok and some of these other um, social media companies. He was banned by Twitter, and he's just recently been let back on. But he's been banned by all of these places. And what really does, at least for me, the, the more interesting part of all of this is that he is apparently one of the Internet's more... Uh, influential social media influencers. And one of the things that he does, again, is he's got this, what he calls Hustler University. You cannot stop. You cannot give up. You're in the most fantastic place on the planet for making money, Hustlers University. And the only person who can ruin that is you. There are people who are going to join this program and they are going to quit. Cancel the subscription to save $49 and go back to being a peon and a wagey, a wage slave brokey. Uh huh. All right. So that's a guy who has made a hundred million dollars uh, peddling again this kind of stuff, and and people buy into this. And my two cents on this: first of all, this is uh, America, and this is the internet, of course, the wild west of the internet. So anything goes. But I listened to this. I thought this was satire. Honest to God, folks, I thought this was satire. I thought this cannot possibly be real, but it is real. And it's scary for, at least me, as a guy who watches these things, 
It's unfortunate that this is the kind of guy that so many people look up to. Now, it's clear that people hate him. You know, Andrew Tate. I I, I can't stand what he says. Again, I do wonder, was wondering if this is some sort of a, a satirical thing. But the bottom line is what he says isn't any more offensive than the lyrics to your average rap or hip hop song. But I think part of the reason why people hate him is because he's, he's a white guy saying it and they construe him as a, a white, uh, a, a white misogynist and, and all these other kinds of things, a white male misogynist pig. And so for me, when I look at all of this, I think there is going to be a part of the folks out there in the media that says, well, he's obviously, you know, a Donald Trump supporting Republican, you know, white male misogynist and all that other kind of stuff. But again, Unfortunately, in America, there's a lot of people that seem to be influenced by this kind of a thing. You know, some people say that it's a great thing that people like this are getting a voice. It gives rise to the individual. I totally appreciate all of that. But at least to me, I remember when I was growing up, I wanted to be anything like a fireman, a cop, a policeman, a lawyer, whatever, member of the military, These days, you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. They say they want to be a social media influencer like this guy. And that, my friends, is really sad. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Know the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Keep an eye out for lights that are dim, as this is an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. You should immediately get a full electrical system check if you notice either of these warning signs. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Eight six six ninety red eyes the phone number, 866-907-3339. Sure enough, I just Googled the arrest of uh, Andrew Tate. That's what I'm touching on here. And Salon calls him a mega blowhard. I told you that is exactly where they're going to go with this. And I-, I will tell you that as a guy, we talked last night about... Um, you know, the the what I would say is the benefits of the MAGA philosophy and, you know, make America great again and so forth. I don't prescribe to any of the tenets of, of Andrew Tate that I was describing and playing for you in the previous segment. And I got to tell you, I don't know anybody who is. Now, Anthony is in Pittsburgh calling into Red Eye Radio. Anthony, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, as an ultra-mega-mega Republican, I never heard of this guy until literally two minutes before you came on the air. I was just reading about how he was arrested in Romania because the police found or saw the the pizza boxes in his video were in Romanian. So that's how they tracked him down. But the the bad thing is, who who is letting their 10- and 12-year-olds, because those are the majority of the kids that are on YouTube, you know, watching these videos from all sorts of social media influencers, 
And in fact, I mean, I know, sadly, there's some mothers who are trying to get their six and seven year olds to become influencers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Earlier this year that she wanted her her six year old is putting on videos out there of applying makeup or eyeliner and all this other stuff. And the mother was just so excited. Her daughter was going to be an influencer. They're not doing anything. No, and, and and here's the other thing: if everybody is an influencer, then nobody is an influencer. But you bring up a couple of uh, great points, Anthony. Number one is, yeah, like I mentioned in the previous segment, nobody wants to be a, a, a police officer or a doctor or you know go into the military these days. Everybody wants to be a social media influencer. I've got a lot more on this and more straight ahead. Red Eye Radio. Phone lines are open. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you being here and uh, just kind of going through some of the media responses regarding the uh, the arrest of uh, Andrew Tate. Then I'm going to move on. I do find this interesting, though, because in the, the caller in the previous segment mentioned that he had, and I, I can't get into all the details because this is radio, and I can't say everything that has transpired on social media, but there was a back and forth between Andrew Tate and Greta, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, whatever the hell her name is, and uh, he had basically tweeted out, give me your email address, and I'm going to give you the emissions of all of my vehicles because he collects all these fancy sports cars. Greta's response, it, just please do yourself a favor and look it up. Her response, actually, and I don't buy into anything that she says, but her response back to Andrew Tate was awesome. Now, the caller mentioned this uh, pizza box. Apparently, you know, I'm reading The Independent right now. He had actually responded back to, to Greta, and um, in that response video... There was a Romanian pizza box that was uh, on the table in front of him. They're saying that that pizza box may have been the thing that gave away Andrew Tate's location because it was a Romanian pizza box. Now, I, I don't I don't really know and I don't really care. I think the bigger issue with all of this is just that if this kind of and again, I can't use the terminology that I want to use with Andrew Tate just because there's one there's one phrase there's one pejorative that I would like to use as it describes Andrew Tate and I just can't use it because I'm on the radio this is one of those one brief moments where I actually wish that I had a podcast so that I could say what I really feel about Tate using the language that I would really like to use uh, Kevin is in Dallas on Red Eye Radio. Thanks for calling, Kevin. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Okay, so this is this is symptomatic of um, the godlessness slash lawlessness. The two things are really one and the same. Uh, that it, it has become 
so I, I guess you could say embedded in our culture. Okay. Yep. The fact that a malignant narcissist sociopath or psychopath, that's a, a criminal personality type. Okay. The sort of person who's almost entirely a selfish person with no regard for the well-being, rights, boundaries, limits of other people, doesn't engage in in the transactional, I'll do good for you if you do good for me kind of relationships, trade-offs with other people, but instead just wants everything all his way. Yep. Okay? And, yep. and, and, and doesn't give a damn how his selfish behaviors harm other people okay um well he's making he's he's asking people to he's uh, kevin he's asking people to pay pay 49 dollars to be involved in his uh, hustler university it seems to me like he is actually the one that's doing some hustling but one of the things and you bring up a great point uh kevin and that is that in society today there is this what is the right word? They champion bad behavior. So when I played you the audio, for example, of Andrew Tate, and I did it in the first uh, in the first segment of the program, you play the audio of Andrew Tate, and you realize, and you hit the you hit the nail on the head when you called him a um, a narcissist, a sociopath, whatever it is that you want to call him, and he is at least to me the epitome of bad behavior. Part of what Kevin wanted to say was that this guy has no association with MAGA, even though the leftist in the media, they will try to draw him in as part of MAGA. But what I would say is that we we have this championing these days and this appreciation as a society for bad behavior. And it all plays out on social media. Where did Andrew Tate make his $100 million? Well, yes, he was, um, you know, a four-time kickboxing champion, but he also made a crap ton of money, obviously, doing this podcast or this video cast, these, these webcasts online. And by the way, part of this is a visual because when he is doing his show, put that in air quotes, when he's doing his show, he's got no shirt on, he's tatted up. He's in a dark room and he's wearing sunglasses. Whatever, dude. He's got a whole thing. And he's spewing this anti-female, uh, in my opinion, this very misogynist uh, rhetoric. And so part of the bigger issue here is that he is so incredibly popular. And that, that brings us back to where I was going initially, which is this is what our society unfortunately seems to champion these days is these narcissistic type people that are, you know, hawking some sort of a I'm going to teach you how not to be a loser website for forty nine dollars. But what do we see on social media? I, I said earlier, it's like the Wild West on social media. Most of the stuff that we see on social media, most of the stuff that we see is are, are things that go viral and these are things that go viral and not for being something good. For example, there's two uh, there's two stories out there today that I was going to touch on. I'll go ahead and just weave them into this. One of the big stories out there today is this, the headline, Yahoo. Disneyland reminds visitors to, quote, treat others with respect after brawls at Disneyland. 
go viral. So what's been going on is that you have these these brawls, these big group fights that are happening at Disneyland, and they're going on to, of course, social media. And so people film these brawls on social media. Then they go ahead and, um, you know, they get all of their attention that way. Again, a lot of this is based in narcissism. So that's number one. When have you ever been reminded that it's not a good idea to brawl? When have you ever had to be reminded to treat others with respect? But that is what Disneyland is now having to resort to. Because time and again, whether it is Disneyland, whether it is in malls across America, food courts and the like, or whether it's in schools, where you have these these social media-fueled frenzies where people do these these street takeovers or these mad brawls that are happening uh, across America. There is a story out of Los Angeles, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where you have, again, the social media-fueled street takeovers, where all of a sudden you have all of these people that just take over the street. You know, forget about the fact that folks have to get home and folks have to get to school and so forth. You've got all of these people, hundreds of people, that descend on some street, and they just decide that they're going to take it over. And sadly, some woman actually got run over by one of the vehicles that was doing the spin-outs and all that kind of stuff. That's part of what this is. Now, is it really, really sad that she ended up getting killed? Absolutely, it's sad that she ended up getting killed. But her family is being interviewed today, and you know what the family says? Family says, we begged her not to go to these street takeovers. We begged her not to go to these things because they're so dangerous. But there you have these street takeovers in Los Angeles and other places across America, completely and totally lawless. And one of the reasons why they do it is because people like to take their stupid A videos and post them online. Again, narcissism. What's going on at Disneyland? All of these brawls, narcissism. Hey, let's engage in a massive brawl and then put it on social media. Then we can go viral. There's another story out there today of a a brawl that happened at um, Waffle House. I'm not exactly sure where it was, but there is a massive brawl at, at a Waffle House somewhere. Let me see if I can find it real quick. And it was um, it went viral for a couple of different reasons. But one of the reasons is because here it is right here. Top Google search Waffle House fight. And there was the a um, it was on Christmas Day, Christmas Day at Waffle House. And if you've seen the video, you have all of these people. And they're just they're brawling and they're throwing chairs. And one of the one of the um, one of the things that happened is one woman threw a chair at one of the Waffle House workers and the Waffle House worker just was able to bat the chair away like it was nothing. And people are calling this woman a superhero. And so people are talking about how amazing it was that the woman was able to bat this chair away. No problem whatsoever calling her a superhero. Anybody want to talk about the brawl? Anybody want to discuss 
how this Christmas Day, they say it was in uh, Madison. I don't know if that's Madison, Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, Madison Police Department reports. And so they there's this massive brawl where you've got like dozens and dozens of people that are fighting in Waffle House. That's what I wanted to talk about. We have forgotten how to act in this country. We have forgotten how, and God, I sound like I'm 90 years old and I'm sorry, but we have, we've forgotten how to act in this country. No, 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 no. Let, let me rephrase that. You and I, because by and large, we're adults, we're conservatives, and we're horrified by this kind of thing. But the younger generation either has forgotten how they're supposed to behave or they were never taught how to behave. Either way, it's bad. And oftentimes this this dysfunction in our society is because of a number of different things. One, there is a, a lack of, of God in this country. There's a lack of religion. There's a lack of faith. That's number one. There is an abundance of narcissism. That's number two. Number three, when I was a kid, what influenced me? God, church, my father. What did I want to be when I grew up? I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be a good husband. I talked about being in the military. I talked about being a cop. Now what is it? Now who do people uh, respect? Who do people, who are people influenced by? Sure as hell for the most part isn't fathers. If people were more influenced by their fathers, we wouldn't be seeing the kind of crap that we're seeing out there today. And you wouldn't have dirtbag derelicts like Andrew Tate being so incredibly influential. So that's the problem that we have. People are watching dirtbags like Andrew Tate and they're not listening to their fathers. One of the reasons or their mothers. One of the reasons why you have all of these um, all of these things happening and why nobody is listening to their fathers is because oftentimes there's not a father in the house. And don't get me started on fatherless households because I could go all day long on that topic alone. You got this this guy, Andrew Tate, telling people how to, uh, you know, don't be a loser. Telling people how to, you know, misogynistically telling guys how to be a real man. Well, if 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 young men have a real man in their life, as in a father, they know what a real man is. And it's not being a misogynist like Andrew Tate. A real man is somebody who goes out, earns a living, raises their kids, treats their wife with dignity and respect, and does their best to have a make a good living and lead a respectable life. That's what a real man is. Not whatever this misogynistic stuff that uh, Andrew Tate has been peddling. But that's the problem. And a lot of this, again, is born out of narcissism. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. One of the things that I want to talk about, uh, perhaps in the next hour, is if you're a parent, it's just going back to the whole Andrew Tate thing, if you're a parent, how do you combat all of the wokest crap that is out there today as a parent? Because I've got a nine-year-old stepson and... Uh, the onslaught of BS that we have to deal with on a daily basis as parents is simply never ending. So that's one of the things I want to talk about as the uh, final live show for Red Eye Radio here on um, Red Eye Radio. And so we've got a lot more straight ahead, including something that Pete Buttigieg said over the summer regarding the issues with the airlines. I think it's going to get better by the holidays. Not quite. Details next. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. So uh, in the previous hour, a lot of people asked if I could post the video of that Waffle House brawl that I was talking about. So I did. It's on the Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. And really the theme of the last hour, and I didn't intend it to uh, happen. I know some some stations begin carrying the show now. But I was ultimately talking about really the fact that in America today, the last live show on Red Eye Radio for 2022, you know, as we wrap up 2022, it's like we've forgotten how to behave in this country. And all social decorum has just gone out the window. And the good part of it is because of social media and people want to be famous for ultimately all the wrong reasons. And so we have these brawls like the one that we've seen at uh, Waffle House. And it seems like we, we see these brawls all the time and up they go on social media. And whether they are planned street takeovers like we see in Los Angeles and Chicago and New York and Washington, D.C. and other cities across America or if it's just these you know, brawls, again, that we see at places like Disneyland, the Waffle House fight we just saw. A lot of these things just, they happen. And then they get they get put on social media and people watch it. They go viral and then everybody realizes, well, I was behaving badly, but look how many follows I got. Or look how many friends I was able to get. Or look how many downloads I got. Or whatever. And so all social decorum has really gone out the window. So if you I guess now I'm part of the problem, right, because I posted the video on the Dan Manda show. Let's do it this way. Go look at the video and you will see how not to behave. And the reason why the video went viral was a number of different reasons. One, because, you know, one of the people involved in the fight and it escalated to the point where you had a big group of people 
fighting Waffle House employees. You know what they were fighting about, by the way? This is so dumb. So they come in to pick up a to-go order on Christmas Day, and then there was a problem with the order. And so the manager, as the story goes, said, okay, we'll give you your money back. Well, that apparently wasn't good enough. And then this massive fight breaks out between all of these different people. I will admit to you, and you can look in the look at the video yourself. I will admit to you, I, I laughed. Because the best part of the video isn't the part where a chair gets hurled at one of the Waffle House employees who was then able to bat the chair away with no problem whatsoever. People calling her a superhero. That's a good part of the video, but not the best part of the video. The best part of the video, and it is absolutely worth the watch, is when I would say one of the bad guys in this situation, one of these uh, women, jumps on the counter to attack one of the Waffle House employees. And so as she's going to attack, she jumps on the counter so that she can jump behind the counter so that she can start, no doubt, wailing on the Waffle House employee. She ends up losing her footing and falls back behind the counter. It is just kind of funny. And then the Waffle House, I don't know which one is the manager in the melee, but whoever was uh, one woman who is a Waffle House employee just has to defend herself and starts wailing on the woman going after her. The whole thing is just, again, lacking in decorum. And we never saw this. You know, when I, I'm, I'm 55, and we didn't see this all that often when I was growing up, certainly. But now, again, we see this every couple of days. And the whole conversation was really started. The whole discussion began when we were discussing the arrest of this guy, Andrew Tate, social media influencer. People call him a misogynist. I will reset that topic here in the next hour or two. Meantime, there's still a lot of people. And by the way, the the question that I I have a talk show host question for you this evening. And that is with all of the influence that we see on social media. If you've got a young kid. Because this is all really what it boils down to. And this is part of what I talked about in the last hour. If you've got a, a son or a daughter, there is so much negative influence on social media or, you know, in the video games that the kids play today. And I realize I sound like I'm 100 years old. But the biggest challenge that I believe parents have today is preparing their kids to be strong enough to withstand all of that progressive, woke, violent, narcissistic BS that they are going to see everywhere they go. And it's not just online. I mean, it's not just a good part of it is online, but you know, there's a lot of that going on, of course, as you know, in schools. We talked about that quite a bit yesterday, as a matter of fact. It's certainly going on in the colleges as well. You have got to raise your kids as strong as you possibly can. Because if you don't, then they'll fall victim to this kind of BS. And whether it is this sort of glorification of violence that we're seeing on social media, the the glorification of narcissism that we see on social media, the absolute utter dismissal of any kind of good behavior or decorum 
that we often see on social media and in public as well. All of that is going on. And so we as a as a society and we as concerned parents, we need to be able to raise our kids to withstand all of this. I mean, I've told the story, I don't know how many times where I had a listener uh, send me a note. This was years ago, uh, sent me an email and he, he asked my advice on whether or not he should continue to pay for his son's college because he sent his son off to college uh, as a good you know, God-fearing, Bible-reading conservative. And the more that his kid went to this college and then came back, the more he realized that the college was turning his kid into a progressive, into a liberal. Not only that, but the college effectively was teaching his kid to hate him, his father, the guy that was writing the check. It's incredibly sad. And he was asking my opinion as to whether or not I should, uh, he, he asked what I thought that he should do. Should he continue to foot the bill for son's education or say, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Because they're teaching you everything that is wrong about America. They're, they're teaching you that America is bad. They're teaching you that religion is a bad thing. They're teaching you that an appreciation of law and order is a bad thing. They're teaching you that capitalism is bad and racist and all that other woke BS. And in case you're wondering what my advice to him was, my advice was, I'm not going to give you advice. Because I'm not going to be the guy that in two or three years, when you realize you made a mistake, that you're going to blame. You, you have got to make this decision on your own. I mean, I gave him my perspective, but ultimately told him what I felt, um, you know, I thought about the situation, but I didn't tell him whether or not to write that check. But it is really sad because that is what we are combating today. Phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. People are still stranded across America thanks to Southwest Airlines. Now, Pete Buttigieg, last night I played you some audio of a... A very tough-sounding Pete Buttigieg. Of course, you know, he's a transportation secretary for the uh, Biden administration. And uh, he is, as I sort of mocked Buttigieg last night, he is on the job. As you've got all of these people that are sitting at the airport, again, thanks to Southwest Airlines and some other airlines as well. But it's primarily Southwest. And have no fear, Pete's on the job. From what I can tell, Southwest is unable to locate even where their own crews are, let alone their own passengers, let alone baggage. Uh, so uh, I conveyed to the CEO our expectation that they are going to go above and beyond to take care of passengers and to address this. Uh, they indicated a number of issues that they're having right. with uh, systems, uh, right. legacy systems for managing uh, their, their schedule and where their crews are. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, the rest of the aviation system has been on the road to recovery since the worst days of the storm going into Friday of last week. As of today, as I'm looking at the different airlines, most of them are in the low single digits in terms of cancellation rates, mm -hmm. uh, averaging, averaging about 5% for all of the other airlines. Uh so bottom line is, for Pete Buttigieg, this is a guy who, again, has been talking really tough about Southwest Airlines and some of the other airlines as well. The question is, did they see this coming? 
Well, apparently he did, at least according to the Daily Mail and the audio that I have to play for you. The headline from the Daily Mail, Pete Buttigieg was warned about airline airline chaos months ago, four months before Southwest Airlines stranded tens of thousands of passengers at airports over the Christmas holidays. State attorneys general across the nation warned Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg about airline delays. As a matter of fact, specifically, New York Attorney General Letitia James first wrote Buttigieg on August 2nd about an escalating pattern of airlines delaying and canceling flights, noticing that during the first half of 2022, 33% more flights had been canceled than during a comparable period in pre-pandemic 2019. In July, Southwest had delayed 29% of their flights. And so, you know, this is like deja vu all over again, because you'll remember with the baby food shortage way back when, the Biden administration, there was a lot of foreshadowing of that crisis as well. Yet the Biden administration didn't really do anything about it. And now here we are with Pete Buttigieg, talking tough on, you know, the local channels or the network channels talking about how he is there to fix the problem and they really better work on their customer service and all of that stuff. When in reality, he knew about this and his uh, his administration, his agency, his department knew that this was uh, an issue. He knew that it was a very real possibility. Later that month, you know, over the summer, A bipartisan group of 38 states attorney generals uh, wrote to leaders in Congress telling them that the department of Pete Buttigieg had failed to respond and to provide appropriate recourse for an increasing number of flight delays and cancellations where passengers were not compensated. They said Americans are justifiably frustrated that federal government agencies charged with overseeing airline consumer protection are unable or unwilling to hold the airline industry accountable and to swiftly investigate complaints submitted to the Department of Transportation. That was in August. Now, also in August, Pete Buttigieg was asked about just this over the summer, and he said this. I think it's going to get better by the holidays. We're really pressing the airlines to deliver better service. So many people have been delayed, and uh, the, the, the fact is they need to be ready to service the tickets that they're selling. So on the one hand, during this time, you had state's attorney general, you had all kinds of folks out there that were watching the transportation industry. They were watching the airlines. They're noticing a lack of customer service. They're noticing a lack of reliability. Pete Buttigieg is asked the question, and he literally, literally said that he thought that it would be... I think it's going to get better by the holidays. Better by the holidays. Well, obviously, we know what happened over the holidays because thousands and thousands of people have been stranded. And so this is yet another, in my opinion, this is yet another failure by the Biden administration to handle a crisis that they were warned about, they saw it coming, and they issued strongly worded memos. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. 
Because they are removing snow and applying sand, salt, or other road treatments, snow plows travel at a slower rate of speed than other vehicles. All drivers should maintain a safe following distance of at least five to six car lengths behind a snow plow. This will help you avoid collisions as well as potential vehicle damage from the materials being thrown on the road. Don't pass a plow unless you absolutely have to, and never drive into the snow cloud. If you do have to pass a snow plow, do it in a safe and legal passing area that is clear of snow and ice. Make sure there's enough clearance to the side, as plows are wider than most vehicles, and portions of the plow and blade may not be visible due to blowing snow. If you encounter a snow plow approaching from the opposite direction along an undivided highway, pull as far over to the right side as is safe. This tip was brought to you by JJ Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. They will return next week. And right now we've got Evelyn on Red Eye Radio calling from Maryland. Hey, Evelyn, how are you? Hey, doing all right. How's it going? Two thumbs up in my world. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, You know, I just uh, I think it's a a shame, an atrocity, a tragedy that uh, the young people are not how they were uh, when it was, you know, now you have this Andrew Tate, like you say, and it used to be, you know, they had Marlboro Man, they had Tough, they had, you know, something that's missing now. You just, it's just an algorithm, um, right? I mean, that's, that's, it's I, I think, I think part of the problem, I, I appreciate, yeah, well, it is, and I appreciate the call. I think, I think part of the problem, I was never much into the Marl, Marlboro Man. I never really understood the appeal of that one, but one of the things that you can say is that and we're talking about social media influencers and and what is influencing our kids these days. And I was talking about this earlier. It seems like, unfortunately, these days, what is influencing our kids is not their parents. And the, our kids today don't have any more positive influences like a lot of us had when we were younger, namely our parents. I would also add, by the way, part of the big problem that we have today is that even if a child is lucky enough to have a two-parent household, and I'm just speaking the truth here, oftentimes those parents are engaged in their own distractions on their own phones, and they're not paying attention to what their kids are doing on their own phones. Phil is in Fredericksburg, Virginia, on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Phil. Hey, hey look, I just, uh, I just these smartphones, it's just gotten ridiculous. I was in line at the bank the other day, and and we were uh, we were just waiting, and uh, <laughs> I looked down for a minute, and I looked back up, and there were eight people in line looking at their smartphones instead of looking at each other and, you know, experiencing life at the bank. It was astonishing to, to see. Uh, I mean, I was in line at another bank, and nobody had their cell phone out. I was listening to a conversation behind me. Uh, I was watching uh, what was going on in front of me. I mean, there was actually life going on around me. 
And yeah. I'm just amazed. I mean, if you look at, listen, when I left that bank, there was a cop getting out of his cruiser. And I said, how you doing, officer? And he actually looked down at the ground. And then I, and then I, as he walked past, I said, happy new year to you, sir. And he, and he actually, his head came up and he smiled and he said, thank you. And I said, have a good one, officer. You have to input, this is like a computer program. If you don't put good programming in, you don't get good programming out. If you don't look up at someone's face and say, how are you doing? You're not going to get that back. You've got to put something into society to get something out. And you can't do that when you've got your head in a smartphone. And That's I mean, right. And, and see all the people with their head in a smartphone. And and you know what? I absolutely agree with you. Got to run. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines are open. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you listening. You can find out more about me on the uh, Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. By the way, coming up, yet another story about drag shows this time in florida i have often said i apologize in advance to my listeners uh, in nashville you've heard me say this a thousand times i went the majority of my adult life without really having to deal with drag shows and now all of a sudden every time i'm on the internet there's yet another yet another controversy about drag shows this time it is in florida I host a morning show on uh, Super Talk 99.7 WTN in Nashville, Tennessee, and we have had our fair share of controversies as well regarding drag shows. And now the uh, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, he is uh, going after these drag shows. We'll talk about that. And also 2022's most annoying people. You know who's on the list? Just very quickly, and I'm not surprised. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. At the top of the list from Fox News, totally agree. The personification of narcissism and whiny leftist gratifying BS that that's what to me, that's what they do. They sit around and and they whine about how terrible other people are like the royal family. And so every time I see Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, I, I scream at the television. Can you go out and actually do something? Instead of just grant interviews every now and then and whine about how you were offended by something someone did or did not do. They called Meghan Markle's, by the way, they call it Meghan Markle's new, I guess it's a podcast show, whatever. They call it self-serving twaddle. Self-serving twaddle. Uh, their new show, apparently uh, terrible. Also, The View is um, full of uh, toxic stupidity, they say. I would totally agree with the view. Toxic stupidity is what it is. Everything is racist. Everything that Republican is bad, uh, white supremacism and the rest of it. To me, the women of the view sound like a bunch of car alarms going off at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's what, that's what Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg and the rest of the women on the view sound like. 
They do say that Kanye West is one of the most annoying people in 2022. They call him the nation's foremost anti-Semite. Uh, personally, I believe that Kanye can say whatever he wants and people can react the way that they're going to uh, react. I also believe that Kanye, at least he was in some sort of a, a mental breakdown. Now there's some joke on the Internet. They can't find Kanye. I think part of what's going on is his business manager is trying to find Kanye because they're trying to deal with some legal stuff. And uh, so that's the big question now. Where is Kanye? One of my favorite, most annoying people of 2022, Brian Stelter. Now, you remember him from uh, CNN and he had deemed himself and other people had deemed him, you know, the 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 guy who was going to hold the media accountable. Well, to me, Brian Stelter should be higher on the list. He's like fifth or sixth of the most annoying people of 2022. And I kept asking the question, you know, he was the host of reliable sources and he was the guy that that was always pointing his finger at all of the other news organizations and trying to say what they were doing was wrong. And I would always go back and ask the same question. Who, who deemed Brian Stelter, you know, the god of all journalism? I mean, it just seemed like kind of a joke. And so for me, Brian Stelter, far higher he should be on the list as far as the most annoying people. My own list, by the way, too many to mention. You got your Joe Biden. You got your Kamala Harris. Corinne Jean-Pierre, though, I, I would have to say she would be uh, number one. I mean, you, you listen to my show Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 Eastern, 5 to 9 uh, Central on uh, WTN here in Nashville. And my show, it's sort of like a a daily diatribe about dumb Democrats like all of these people and the things that they do and the things that they say. All of this, of course, does have an impact on your life. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, and that's why we talk about it. By the way, we were talking earlier. I had a grandpa moment. Now, I'm just going to I'm like 55, right? I, I consider myself, and other people will say I'm a young 55, but I do have my, my early senior moments. I was going back and forth back and forth with a, with a listener on Messenger. And I, of course, at uh, 1.30 in the morning, my time, accidentally uh, called her on Messenger again at 1.30 in the morning. Kind of like a grandpa moment. She said, don't worry about it. It happens to everybody. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to dial people on Messenger. Our phones, I tell you what, it's going to be the death of us. Let's see what happens to, let's see what Joe in uh, Illinois has to say. Joe, thanks for calling Red Eye Radio. Dan, how you doing? I'm good. I, uh, I, caught a, I caught a clip from Candace Owen about a model named Emily Rajakowski who was uh, saying that her one-year-old son uh, was enamored with trucks. And she found this so disturbing that he loved trucks so much that she immediately went out and ordered a doll and a tea set for her one-year-old son who she felt was too enamored with trucks. And my question and my irritation was, where is the father with this issue? And where is the strong male figure? What is the problem with a one-year-old boy loving trucks? That this woman felt that he needed a tea set and a dolly. I I don't get it. You know, if uh, I were a younger man, I would go ahead and go to school to be like some sort of a therapist because these people are going to need a lot of therapy when they get older. Because that is the most ridiculous. I'll have to look that up. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
it's a clip, and you can listen on Candace Owens' thing and and, and look at Emily Rajkowski, and she. I was I was mortified to even listen to this. Yet it happened, and it. And they're going to wonder when their children are bullied. Well, why are they bullied? Well, because you you let them bring a dolly and a tea set to school as a little boy. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, the, these people, I mean, they're, they're so, they're, there was a time when we called these people just, you know, basically dumb. Now we call them woke. I, de- I don't know if there's a difference between dumb and woke because it all seems like the same thing to me. Joe, thank you very much. I'm going to look for that clip. Got a lot of people want to chime in here on stuff. I want to get through everybody. Paul is in Van Nuys, California on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Paul. Dan, thank you very much for taking my call. I'm 77 years old, so I've got you about 20-something years here. All right. Uh, Fortunately, I can do 70 push-ups about three times a week. So anyway, listen, I, I come from a different era. I, I don't disagree with most of the callers. However, I think there's one component that's missing, and that's the legalization of marijuana. I think it's very much a contributor. Just in my own building here, uh, there, there's little children, toddlers and babies, and uh, a, a couple of tenants here, a couple of the males. They're actually smoking all day long with their little kids. In mm-hmm. there. I mean, you know, and, and the behavior, I believe... Very much so. I remember the 1960s, the demonstrations against the Vietnam War, and I remember all the pot smokers, and I remember the behavior, and the naysayers that t- tell you that there's it's harmless. B.S. I know there was a film that they all make fun of in the past called Reefer Madness, which was ridiculous. But uh, I truly believe. That, well, so do you uh, think? So do you think that we're Paul? Paul, if I may, so you were. You think the brawls and the crime and everything that's going on is because of the legalization of pot? I say it's a contributor. A contributor, a okay. Cause, but it's a very much of a contributor. You know, I'm trying to think of whether I agree with you or not. I think it's a valid point. Um, but when you, and I don't smoke pot, but when you I don't do either. that, I mean, it's not exactly something that invokes uh, violence. I mean, when you smoke pot, you sit down in your basement and you just mellow out, don't you? Not if they're drinking alcohol and doing other things with it. But you know, I would say cheap, cheap it, sweet politicians that we have, yeah. they like they like they like to be woke themselves. They don't smoke it themselves. I don't believe they smoke it themselves. Right. But, you know, they need cheap votes because that's what they are. I come from a different society, which wasn't all that good in some ways, mm. but much better in other ways. And so do you. And you remember what I do. Yeah. Well, what? Let me ask you. So you're you. I actually used to live in Van Nuys, Paul. So I I, I actually know exactly uh, where you are, and and I I don't know if I'm. I would say that legalization of pot. I'm I'm very um, libertarian on some stuff, and when it comes to the legalization of pot, I'm I I don't do it. I don't smoke it. Whatever. But I think that if you look at the contributors to because that was part of the conversation that we were having earlier, you look at the contribution or what is contributing to a lot of the crime and a lot of the violence and a lot of the brawls that, that we're seeing. I, I think there is a, a lack of respect for law enforcement. I think there is a lack of respect for uh, rules. And as I mentioned before, decorum, I think to me, that is a far bigger issue, maybe legalization of pot, whatever. But to me, there is just a, a lack of respect of of authority that really is what's going on and the police of course is uh, you know there have been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of people screaming about the defunding of the of the police the media and very much uh, the democrat party the progressives they supported the defunding of the police there's this 
there's no other way to say it. There is this glorification of and this championing of this kind of behavior. And, and again, certainly on uh, social media. Let's see what Lewis in Chicago has to say on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Lewis. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you were talking about the interruption of the services in, uh, in the airline industry with uh, Southwest and the rest of them. Right. And that uh, we saw this coming. And I believe you're right. We did see this coming. Uh, and uh, the way we saw this coming is that it came to a, a head in October of 2022. What happened was uh, some Russian sympathizers had uh, hacked into the uh, they hacked into the airline web pages and websites. Okay. And they did this, and and, and these are sympathizers of uh, Vladimir Putin, and they did this to show that they can do it, okay? And so what we're looking at right now, what I think we're looking at is what they call cyber warfare. What do you think about that? I'm looking up the story right now. I will say thank you very much for the call. Pro-Russian, this is from NPR, God help me. Uh, Pro-Russian hackers take credit for cyber attacks on... Uh, U.S. Uh, airport websites, taking them offline and so forth. I will say this, and I think uh, Alexandra in St. Louis is going to have something to say on this. I'm going to go to her real quick. I, I think specifically with Southwest, I think Pete Buttigieg is right. I, I played you the audio earlier where he was talking about how they have had a, a hard time uh, keeping their infrastructure where it needs to be. Alexandra, thanks for calling Red Eye Radio. How are you? Hi, how's it going? I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've never called in before. That's okay. Um, yeah, um, I was calling in about Southwest as well because I <clears throat> I know a lot of people that have been affected by this, and I know a lot of people that um, actually work for Southwest and work within the um, airline industry within St. Louis. Um, and we've had a huge issue of baggage basically being dropped off at our airport here. Um, and while I completely agree, like I, I absolutely despise Pete Buttigieg, I don't necessarily think that it's a fault of him. Um, I think that it's more of a fault of like the overall system, especially airports such as St. Louis, um, which doesn't have a huge amount of funding. Um, and other mid-sized American cities not necessarily having enough funding for their airports to be able to supply airplanes to be able to, to land during um, inclement weather. I, I think I think there's a number of things. And Alexander, great call, and you did great for your first time, much better than my first time talk, calling to calling into a talk radio show. Um, you are right on a number of different things. The question is, and I've got to uh, talk about this a little bit after the the break because I got to run. But the question is. With the transportation, the the uh, the transportation department, the, it is their job to oversee the airlines. We'll talk about that next. Got to run. This is Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 
Phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I think I've got time to play this audio bite from Pete Buttigieg. Here, as you know, we've seen a number of issues with the different airlines. And in the summer in particular, we pressed them to improve their standard of customer service. Uh, they provided uh, commitments in writing, including Southwest, uh, that they would uh, go above the, the previous level of what you do to take care of ca- customers with things like uh, covering the cost if, if you get stuck and you need a hotel or a meal in addition to rebooking you to get you on your way. Now that we have those commitments uh, that were made to us over the summer, we're going to be using that as a tool to hold them accountable. And I made that clear to uh, Southwest leadership. Now, they did, uh, the CEO pledged to me uh, that they will not only meet, but they will exceed uh, the customer service standards and, and commitments that uh, uh, that they have made to us in the past and uh, that we're in a position to enforce. So the question is, is Pete Buttigieg directly responsible for the train wreck that is Southwest Airlines? You heard from that audio bite. He is saying that, and this was, I think, yesterday, and he's saying that he is going to hold the airlines accountable. So it sounds to me, and I'm not holding him personally responsible, but what I am saying that uh, as the guy who is uh, head of the Department of Transportation, there is some accountability to be had. Him, also Southwest, the CE of Southwest, and so forth. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. Appreciate you being here. The phone number is always 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. You can find me on the socials at Dan Manda Show on Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook. A guy sent me a private message on Facebook and <laughs> I think playfully asking uh, how much uh, coffee I drink on the overnight when I do fill in. Understanding it's not my usual shift, I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN. I'm going to be honest with you, and my uh, my audience in uh, my listeners in Nashville know that I, I am a coffee addict. And so, so far, this is officially the second hour of the program. I've, uh, I've already had two cups of coffee, and I'm now on a Red Bull by the time the uh, show is over. I'll probably have downed five cups of coffee and a couple of Red Bull. It's just what I do, and um, these hours are tough. If you're not used to it, these hours are really, really tough, but I always enjoy doing it. Again, you can find me on the socials. You can also send me an email, dan at 997wtn.com. I didn't, in the previous hour, had a, a, a great uh, lady named uh, Alexandra, I believe her name was, calling from St. Louis, and she talked about uh, Pete Buttigieg and uh, you know the guy in charge of the uh, transportation department, And the question was and is how much of what is going on with Southwest Airlines, how much of this is the fault of Pete Buttigieg? Now, I I will say, and I played a piece of audio right at the end of the last hour, 
And it was uh, Buttigieg talking about how he is going to uh, hold the airlines accountable. He's going to hold Southwest Airlines accountable. How back in the summertime, he had told them that they were going to have to really start working on their customer service or there was going to be ramifications. Also, over the summer, the uh, former uh, mayor of a small Indiana town uh, was on with uh, James Corden on his uh, old show. And uh, he said this about the airline issues that they were already seeing back in the summertime. I think it's going to get better by the holidays. We're really pressing the airlines to deliver better service. So many people have been delayed. And uh, the, the, the fact is they need to be ready to service the tickets that they're selling. So, so you, you hear him really taking accountability, accepting accountability, accepting responsibility for the airlines and their delays. Now, what I will also say, because clearly I am a conservative when, uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg says that the um, problems with the airlines are going to be better by the holidays. I think it's going to get better by the holidays. I mean, you you can't help but say, all right, well, in the summertime, you said that these delays were not going to continue. As the guy in charge of the agency that oversees the airline industry, when he says, I think it's going to get better by the holidays. And then we have this completely uh, this complete cluster over the holidays. Well, then the question has to be asked, how much of this is the fault of Pete Buttigieg? I think it's going to get better by the holidays. Now, I will tell you that I'm not going to sit here and and say that he is 100 percent solely responsible because that would just be silly. Clearly, he's not. And what I said last night, and I want to make sure that I'm consistent. What I said last night is the free market ultimately will will decide what happens to Southwest Airlines. However, as the guy that is in charge of the Department of Transportation and over the summer, he was out there saying that things were going to get better by the holidays and how he was working directly with the airlines to make sure that they were ready by the holidays. Then we see what happened with Southwest Airlines and to a smaller part, some of the other airlines. There is some accountability there. But please make no mistake. Southwest Airlines, and we're, we're finding out about all of this, the pilots are now chiming in, and there have been staffing issues, there are infrastructure issues, they just don't have the systems to deal with what they have had to deal with. And so we're finding out more and more about Southwest Airlines. And so obviously this is the fault, ultimately, of Southwest Airlines, and they do need to uh, figure out how to right this ship, because right now... I'm wondering if Southwest Airlines is even going to survive. Now, the reason why this is a big story today is because in this morning is because, as I covered for you earlier, Pete Buttigieg, this is from the Daily Mail online, Pete Buttigieg was warned about the airline chaos months ago. And they talk about how you had all of these various attorney generals or attorneys general that were writing to and signing off on letters to Buttigieg. And one specific note, New York Attorney General Letitia James first writing Buttigieg on August 2nd about an escalating pattern of airlines delaying and canceling flights, noting that during the first half of 2022, 33% more flights had been canceled than during a comparable period in pre-pandemic 2019. You can talk about that. You can talk about the some of the letters from the bipartisan group of 38 state attorneys writing to uh, Congress 
telling them that Pete Buttigieg's department, the Department of Transportation, had failed to respond and to provide appropriate recourse for an increasing number of flight delays and cancellations where passengers were not compensated. So there's a number of different issues there. Now, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm questioning, though? One of the things I'm wondering is, why, why is Pete Buttigieg even the, um, the, the, the guy that is leading the head of the, 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 the Department of Transportation? Why, why is he in charge of the Department of Transportation? If you, if you look at his resume, really smart guy, and I get that. He was a, a Fort Wayne mayor, not a Fort Wayne mayor, a mayor of a small town in Indiana. I spent three years in Fort Wayne, so that's why it's always on my mind. But he was a mayor in um, in Indiana for eight years. What what qualifies Pete Buttigieg to be the guy in charge of the Department of Transportation? As far as I can tell, he he, he was spent you know some time in in the Navy. He's a good you know veteran and all that. But why is he in charge of the Department of Transportation? What possible qualities does he have? I mean, the obvious answer is that he he checks a lot of boxes. You know, he's gay. And I think that the Biden administration, they're all about diversity. I mean, look at Corinne Jean-Pierre. I mean, good Lord, she is, uh, you know, black. She's a lesbian and and she's progressive, clearly. So she checks a lot of boxes. But I, I don't believe that she is qualified for the job. I question whether Pete Buttigieg is qualified for his job. And you look at, you know, Donald Trump's. Uh, Donald Trump's head for the Department of Transportation, Elaine Chao. Now, I realize there's a lot of people out there that are triggered by Elaine Chao. And the reason why they're triggered by Elaine Chao is because she is married to Mitch McConnell. And I'm not necessarily a fan of Elaine Chao. But what I will say is that at least she was qualified for the job. She was Deputy Secretary of Transportation under George H.W. Bush. She was also chair of the uh, Federal Marine Commission from 88 to, to 89, couple of years there. She was director of the Peace Corps, and she spent eight years as the secretary of labor under George W. Bush. So Elaine Chow, at the very least, and again, say what you will, at least she had a resume that was conducive to her job. She had some experience. Pete Buttigieg, he doesn't have the experience necessary to lead the Department of Transportation. I'm sorry, but he just doesn't. He was the mayor of a small Indiana town. Now, does he look good on TV? Is he does he does he say the right things? Yeah, he, he does all of that. But again, when you allow diversity and agenda to lead your personnel decisions, these kinds of things are going to happen. You know, we had these rolling blackouts. We were talking about this uh, earlier in the week where we have these rolling blackouts and there's been a lot of attention paid to the TVA, right, the Tennessee Valley Authority. And they've got this board of directors. And I found it interesting as I was looking at this story and kind of reading up on all of this because looking at the TVA is not necessarily something that I do in my spare time. It's not really all that interesting. But I was looking at the failures of the TVA, and there were many failures 
And of course, that's one of the reasons why we had these blackouts. And one of the biggest failures, in my opinion, is that they're doing everything they can to move away from reliable energy like the the coal, uh, the coal uh, power plants. And they're going into this so-called clean energy. And I talked about the agenda within the TVA. They're trying to get away from the dirty coal plants. They're trying to do solar and wind and all this nonsense. But the other thing that I found out is that the TVA, you know, it's like, I think, a nine-person board. And these are the people that make the decisions regarding power over the seven or eight states that the TVA uh, runs, their power. And what I thought was interesting is that they don't actually have to have any experience whatsoever in energy, like none. And so I'm sitting here and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, why in the world would you have the TVA, the people who are working on things like power, power generation, energy generation, how it's distributed, all of these things, why would you have all of these people that are on this board and they know nothing about what they oversee. Isn't that just kind of weird? I think it's kind of bizarre because when I go for a job interview, they look at my experience and they look at my experience as a broadcaster to figure out if I'm qualified for said job. So if I'm, you know, the the, the person that is looking at uh, putting people on the on the board of the TVA, and these are presidential appointments that are then approved by the uh, by the Senate. Okay, so if if you look at a person and you see that they don't necessarily have any experience in 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 the the, the energy industry, power in industry, whatever it is, why would you put them on the board? Now they did just recently approve a whole bunch of folks, a bunch of leftists. A woman named Beth Gear. She used to be the chief of staff for Al Gore. Not entirely certain what she knows about power. Doesn't sound like she knows a whole heck of a lot. We all know that Al Gore is, uh, you know, one of the people out there that have been screaming the world's going to end. The world's going to end because of the climate change and all that stuff. Woman named Michelle Moore used to work with President Obama. Again, doesn't know anything about power generation. Knowledge, they say, has not necessarily been a prerequisite. This is from the Tennessean. At this time, the board does not have any directors with electricity expertise, which is not a new phenomenon. Historically, experience and knowledge of the sector, the electricity sector in particular, has not been a prerequisite to be on the TVA board. And I read that and I'm like, what the? I just don't understand that. Now, you look at that. And then you look at Pete Buttigieg, who has absolutely no experience in a transportation, at least that I know of, yet he gets put as the head of the of the of the transportation agency. So I, I don't I don't especially understand. I don't really understand why it is that they do that. Why do they put people in charge of these these agencies and put people on these boards when they don't have experience in that particular line of work. It doesn't make any sense, and it tends to lead to disaster. Now, I will also say in in final thought on this whole TVA thing, they did finally put a guy on the TVA board, and then I promise no more TVA talk. I apologize. But Robert Klein, 
was finally put on the TVA board. He was a union guy, a VP of the Electrical Union in Chattanooga. So, I mean, he's a union guy. Read into that what you will, as far as the Democrats and Joe Biden and all of that. But at least you do have somebody who knows something about power generation and electricity. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I'm just looking through my um, my stories here, and I, I will get to, hopefully by the end of this hour, I'm going to get to this Time Magazine story. They're actually now saying that exercise is somehow racist. No, that's what they say. Hey, listen, if, if that means that I don't have to exercise because it's racist, okay, I'm all on board. Just saying. Uh, Let's see here. I want to talk about drag queens. Now, I'm going to tell you that these stories have been so abundant as of late. It is driving me nuts. And as I said earlier, I went my entire adult life pretty much with uh, without having to deal with or think much about drag queens. The reason why they're in the news now is because they are forcing their lifestyle onto the rest of us. Now, For me, I mean, do I give two you-know-whats about drag queens? No. Again, I'm very libertarian. You want to go do that and you want to have your drag queen parties and all that kind of stuff? Fine. The issue, though, is that now they're involving children. And there is another story about drag shows, this time in the state of Florida. This actually gives Florida Governor Ron DeSantis another opportunity, quite frankly, to shine. This is the story from Fox News. Florida's Department of Business and Professional Regulation has now announced it's investigating a holiday-themed drag show in Florida. Apparently, they say that kids were present. There was sexually explicit content, and it was marketed to children. The Broward Center for the Performing Arts, the Fort Lauderdale venue that hosted the holiday drag performance at the center of the state's investigation, may be at risk of losing <coughs> excuse me, its liquor license and its ability to operate as a business in Florida. So basically what's happening is you have these venues that are hosting these drag queen shows and they're being marketed to children. They're allowing children to show up. And then the, the government agency has to get involved. The reason the government agency has to get involved is because this is now becoming an ongoing and a political issue. The venue was warned that if kids were allowed into this show, they could lose that license. And now, apparently, that is exactly what's happened. The accusation is that they allowed kids into this particular show, and now they are being investigated. Now, you may remember back over the summer, there was a drag show in Florida that ended up under investigation just over this type of thing. And DeSantis, he was all over it. Well, first of all, there was a video out of Dallas where they had all these young kids 
putting money in the underwear of these drag queens at a bar. And that's totally unacceptable. And I said that at the time. Then what happened was a week or two later, there was video from a, a place that had similar stuff. And then that was identified as being in Florida. So we said, wait a minute. Having kids involved in this is wrong. Yep. That is not consistent with our law and policy in the state of Florida. And it is a disturbing trend in our society to try to sexualize these young people. That is not the way you look out for our children. You protect children. You do not expose them to things that are inappropriate. Now listen, the, uh, the Florida governor is absolutely right. I mean, in my state of Tennessee... We have the same issue with some of these drag shows. You'll have these uh, these shows and you've got kids that are in the audience. And as the uh, as the Florida governor said, you, you have these drag shows. There was one video that went viral where a very uncomfortable looking child was actually being led around uh, by the hand of the drag queen. And the drag queen, it, it was almost like he was looking at the camera and had this this expression on his face like yes i've got this i've got this very uncomfortable looking child walking around parading around holding uh, the girl's hand i dare you to say something well people did react and so now we have the legislation that's out there that is going on not only in florida but also tennessee the story doesn't stop there stay close Phone lines are open. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you being here. A guy called up earlier in the uh, program and was talking about this Emily Rajowski, I think is her name. And she was talking about uh, her one-year-old. And how this was on some sort of a TikTok podcast, whatever it was. And the listener tipped me off to this quote of hers where they were talking about her one-year-old son and how she is sort of horrified by the fact that her son likes playing with trucks because she thinks that somehow this is, you know, going to lead him to some sort of toxic masculinity kind of a thing. So I've been desperately searching for this audio. I, I finally found it. And the number, I'm going I'm to play you the audio. I'm trying to edit it down. The number of brain cells that I'm losing listening to this, whatever you want to call it, is, um, is, is a lot because this is just so silly. However, I think it's, it's a great point. When you look at somebody like Emily Rajowski, I think she's like a model. I don't know what she is. I don't know if she's an actress. I don't know if she's a model. I, I don't know. But she brings up this point that I think is one that we need to talk about, which is you have these these parents who are raising these these children and their kids might show just the usual kid stuff like wanting to play with trucks and they overthink it and somehow they think that he's going to be infused with whatever this 
this toxic masculinity is when the kid just likes trucks and there's nothing wrong with that. And so she's saying in this in this audio that I'll play for you, she's saying that she ran out and she bought him a a, a tea set and some sort of a doll. And so I don't know if she's just saying this for stupidity's sake or if she's really doing this. But it sounds like she's trying to take the truck away from the kid and make the poor kid play with a doll. I mean, that's just silly. And so when you when you see people that do these kinds of things and then they wonder, oh, my gosh, why is everybody criticizing me on social media? Well, it's actually because you're dumb. That's the problem is you are dumb. And your kid is going to turn out turn out to be damaged if this is really what you're doing, which is trying to force your kid to play with dolls when he actually wants to play with a damn truck. You know, that dovetails right back into where I, where I was talking about with uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, the Florida governor, and how now there is yet another story about yet another drag show where there were kids involved. This happened a couple of days ago in Florida, a drag queen Christmas. And they say that it was sexually explicit and marketed to children. They had uh, multiple complaints about this particular drag show. And, and now the governor and his, um, you know, his administration is checking into this. But I guess the, there's a couple of things here. Number one is the emergence of the drag queen shows for kids is just it is overwhelming how many of these things there are. That's number one. Number two, this particular show, it would appear, was suggestive and indecent. So Ron DeSantis, back in July, filed a complaint against another restaurant, Our House, the letter R, Our House, Miami restaurant, after it hosted a drag brunch event where children were present, citing a 1947 state Supreme Court ruling that men impersonating women in a suggestive and indecent fashion constitutes a public nuisance. Okay, so the more that DeSantis talks about this, the more we all realize that, yes, this has to be handled one way or another. DeSantis is looking to do this in Florida. Perhaps it could be something that is copied in states around the country. So they had this video, uh, and it's identified in Miami, so the uh, Department of Business and Professional Regulation uh, they started an investigation. They actually had agents going to this place and, and conducting effectively just gathering information, hmm. look, getting intelligence, seeing what's going on. And what they found was not only were there minors there for some of these, these and these are sexually explicit drag shows, they actually had a, the bar had a children's menu uh on their food service and you think to yourself you know give me a break what's going on so they looked under florida law and were able to initiate this uh procedure that would basically you know take away the liquor license for that and that basically ends the so you know one of the things because i talked about this on my nashville show and i i actually i was shocked to learn that i had you know several people who either were drag queens or they're involved in this sort of culture. And they were telling me that the people that are bringing kids to these drag shows, it's not just some rant. And and trust me when I say I'm not defending it because I'm not. I'm against kids going to these drag shows. But just 
uh, FYI, what I'm told is that the people that bring these kids to the drag shows, they're involved in the culture of drag. And maybe they have someone in their family, maybe it's a father, brother, whatever, that are into this. And so it's like, hey, let's go see Uncle Joe. He's going to dress up like, uh, you know, Auntie Josephine, and he's going to go give a, a dance at this drag queen show. So that's that's part of what's going on here. But what's also going on is the demonization of conservatives who have concerns about this. The efforts by Ron DeSantis, a prospective GOP presidential candidate in 2024, and other Republican leaders in states across the country have sparked fears of inciting acts of violence against the LGBTQ community. What BS. What absolutely and utter BS. Nobody... Nobody has said that it's okay to go after these shows or drag queens with violence. But remember, that is the left's favorite card to play. If you criticize anything that they do, then you are inciting violence, right? I mean, isn't that what the left does? I mean, case in point. The media immediately tried to implicate Republicans after the shooting at that Colorado gay nightclub a while back, a few, well, a couple months ago now, I think. But you had all of the hand wringing, you had all of the accusations, all of that violent rhetoric, that anti LGBTQ violent rhetoric inspired this guy to walk into a gay nightclub and open fire, killed five people. Well, as it turns out, the guy was non-binary and his pronouns were they and them. So he was one of them. He was part of this community. He was part of this culture. So I'm reasonably certain that you can say that he was not inspired by Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida trying to come up with a law, some sort of legislation to prevent kids from being led around by the hand by drag queens or, or putting dollar bills into drag queens' underwear. Probably had nothing to do with that. And by the way, if you don't know what non-binary means, it means that the uh, the person fluctuates identity. So feels like One gender one day feels like another gender another day. Two genders. You could wake up and, you know, identify as the gender you were born with. But by the afternoon, you're the opposite gender. By evening time, you feel like no gender whatsoever. And it's all okay. It's what they call gender fluid. Look, I don't pretend to understand it. I am just reporting the story. But the point is clearly that the Colorado gay nightclub shooter, he was not motivated by hate for the community or inspired by hate of drag shows or the LGBTQ community. He was part of that community, and clearly he was not inspired by Republican hate. This is just part of what the left does to try to shut down any kind of question regarding what they do. I mean, it's it's always, have you noticed this about the left? It's always just to the nth degree, right? If you...
question the vaccines, if you question a vaccine mandate, if you question lockdowns, if you question mask mandates, then you obviously want people to die. If you question uh, drag queen shows for kids, you obviously are okay with and would like to inspire violence against the LGBTQ community, right? I mean, that's how they are. And that's, again, a tactic that they use to try to shut people like you down or people like me down. Because never once, I don't know of I don't know of any conservative who has ever once said, oh, yeah, go find a drag queen and, and just attack. No. Now, if if some if, if a drag queen is attacked. One. I think that's awful, and whoever does it should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law uh, with hate crimes, too, by the way, if that's what was the the inspiration. But there might be just a possibility that the person is horrified that drag queens are performing for children and children are being encouraged to put dollar bills in the underwear of a drag queen. Perhaps somebody was inspired by sheer horror that that is actually going on. It doesn't excuse it. But again, remember the agenda and remember the tactics used by the left. I mean, this is just, by the way, part of the discussion. Here in Tennessee, the state legislature is going to take up legislation where they want to ban adult cabaret performances on public property or places where kids could see them. Now, first of all, I I just so I'm on the record I believe that it is absolutely insane to take kids to drag shows. But again, to me, and from what I understand, and, and maybe you know something different, 866-90-RED-EYE, but to me, it seems like th- this is a, a community. So if, um, you know, Uncle Joe is going to be Uncle Josephine or Aunt Josephine uh, tonight at the drag show, well, then let's go take, you know, Johnny to go see his uncle, well, that's what it is. It's like part of the family, part of the culture, I guess. I just, I don't know, and I'm just spitballing here, but I don't know if there's any parent that randomly wakes up and says, oh, hey, there's a drag show at, uh, you know, the local bar, and they're serving mac and cheese for the kids. Let's go see a drag show. Do, do, Do people do that? I can't imagine there's people that, maybe there are, I I mean, if there's parents that do that, that just seems rather bizarre to me. There's a lot of other things you can do uh, with your kids. But to me, this legislation is is truly to protect kids from all of this insanity, and it has nothing to do with hate. And by the way, anybody want to talk about the fact that, that attacks on churches in America has literally tripled in the last three years? So while the media is hyperventilating over, you know, the attack on the LGBTQ community, which absolutely is not okay, nobody wants to talk about the attacks on churches. Nobody wants to talk about the attack on police officers. Nobody wants to talk about the the rise in crime in Democrat-run cities. Nobody wants to talk about that. Oh, well, I will. I mean, the attack on churches, it has apparently tripled 
over the last several years, from 2000, uh, from about what, three, four years ago? The attack on churches has absolutely tripled. Then you want to talk about the rising crime in uh, cities across America. So we can also talk about the rise in innocent victims when it comes to the crime. Since the Democrat-run cities have started embracing this defund the, the police policies. So that is exactly what's going on. That is exactly what the media doesn't want to report to you as they do report and accuse Republicans of advocating for violence against the LGBTQ community. 866-90-RED-EYE will return next. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I, I feel this obligation to do some sort of, uh, you know, year-end retrospective with you folks. You know, what was your what was your favorite uh, topic of the last year? What was your least favorite talk of, topic of the last year? Where do you see us going in 2023? Do you have any predictions for 2023? What do you think is going to happen between Trump and DeSantis? What is going to happen with Donald Trump? I mean, we could do that if you like. The phone number is 866-907-3339. If you want to go down that road, I've got my own thoughts on all of that. We will visit uh, those topics and a whole lot more straight ahead. And the latest on the arrest of Andrew Tate is all straight ahead on Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.